This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. from now the sport will celebrate a phenomenal season and deserving new champion at the monster energy nascar cup series awards mark your calendars now as we are bringing you a two-hour red carpet special at 7 eastern right here on nbcsn followed by the awards ceremony at 9 eastern on thursday welcome to nascar america everybody carol amano and kyle petty here joined by jeff burton at his garage in north carolina jeff let's start with you what do you like most about the nascar cup series awards show uh, the the entertainment and then the party after the party <laughs> after is is the uh, is the fun part it, when it used to be in New York Kyle can attest to this uh, it used to get pretty crazy <laughs> so uh, things have gotten calmed down in this newer age but uh, it's uh, the party after is always a good time yeah yeah I, I agree I, I I will have to say that the after party is a lot better than the awards show um, <laughs> the after party can go for days. Um, you fill it for weeks. I will say that. And I, Jeff and I have been to a couple of those parties. So, yes, the after party is always the best at an award show. We've got so many things going on this week uh, to bring you with our award show. Our coverage is also going to include a very special tribute to Dale Earnhardt Jr. on Thursday night. Uh, but today, the NASCAR community is thinking about somebody else, another important member of the family. This morning, we learned that NASCAR Hall of Famer Bud Moore has passed away. He was a native of Spartansburg, South Carolina. He won championships as a crew chief and also as a team owner. And he also served the United States in World War II. Moore was part of the D-Day invasion and was honored many times for his heroism. Among the accolades for his service, five Purple Hearts and two Bronze Stars. And NASCAR chairman Brian France released a statement shortly after NASCAR announced Moore's passing, which read in part, Many chose the word hero when describing athletes who accomplish otherworldly sporting feats. Oftentimes it's an exaggeration, but when detailing the life of the great Bud Moore, it is a description that fits just perfectly. And this is a man, Kyle, who made significant contributions to both NASCAR and also to the country. Yeah, first and foremost, the country. I, I, I think you mentioned that with, with the Bronze Stars, uh, with the Purple Hearts, five Purple Hearts, uh, which is absolutely phenomenal. Never spoke of it. Never spoke. Always played it down. Always kind of shunned that anytime somebody would want to come up and do an article on him and stuff. He did a few, but most of the time it was about something else. It was about the other guys. It wasn't about him. Uh, I, th I think when you look at the sport, and, and I, I kind of about halfway tweeted it this morning, I was very blessed to grow up in the sport um, through the 60s and, and 70s. And you had Junior Johnson and you had the Wood Brothers, Glenn and Leonard. And uh, you had all these guys, Harry Hyde, Bobby Isaac, Bobby Allison, Donnie Allison, and you had Bud Moore. And, and I grew up amongst these legends. Uh, so it's been really sad for me today. Honestly, it has. Uh, because I grew up, Bud asked me one time, he said, I was like 22. He said, you got to be 45. He said, you've been around here so long. But that was the deal. You were just always there. And Bud was always there. Uh, he and little Joe Weatherly, and that's what they called him, Joe Weatherly, little Joe, uh, won the championship, I think, what, 62, 63, if not for an untimely death of Joe Weatherly, no telling what that combination would have been. So 
Um, the drivers that have come through there from Fireball Roberts to uh, Ricky Rudd, Dell Earnhardt Sr. Uh, we go to that Benny Parsons, uh, Bobby and Donnie Allison. So many great drivers have driven for Bud Moore. Uh, and he was a mainstay. When you looked at it, it was the Wood Brothers um, and the Ford, the Wood Brothers and, and Bud Moore and the Ford Junior and a Chevy, Junior Johnson and a Chevy and Petty Enterprise guys with a Dodge. And that was your mainstay. Uh, so it, it, his contribution to the country far outweighs that. But what he meant to, to this sport, uh, I don't think you can you can ever speak to it enough. Jeff? Yeah, Carolyn, my, my career really started, you know, toward the end of, of Bud's. And, and, you know, I never really got a chance to spend a lot of time with Bud. I did in the Hall of Fame uh, voting. He, you know, had some conversations with him there. Uh, definitely a quiet man, but very opinionated. Uh, he would tell you exactly what he thought uh, was, was really interesting. And, you know, that era of, of racing was, you, you think about that, guys coming home from the war and then, and then, and then coming to do battle and, and taking the skills that they learned uh, and, and, and the bravery. I mean, you know, you think about racing, and we all think that, you know, it's the center of the world, but that's a great example of how it's not. And there's things that are bigger and that are more important uh, and he found a way to be great at both of them. He found a way to be a, you know, a hero. Uh, he brought in some of the, the, the sport's most famous drivers. He also was a war hero. He, he served the country. Uh, so here's a guy that did, did things at a very high level in two very distinctly different things. And I think that speaks to, to, to his character. And uh, when, you, when you talk to, about people that worked with him, they all had great admiration for him and very innovative, creative uh, I remember reading an article once that he said he would, you know, he would, he would try to get 11 things by, and if he got three of them, then he got three. And, uh, you know, that was, he had a good day if he got three by NASCAR if he tried 11. So, you know, just a, a very innovative guy, and it's, uh, you know, that part of our sport, unfortunately, we're starting to lose a lot of those legends that helped build the sport to what it is today. And it's important to take time to remember their contributions, and that's what that Hall of Fame is all about uh, having a chance to really go back and look and pay attention to what has made this sport, because uh, they paid the sacrifices. I mean, honestly, the people that are racing today, my generation, uh, we were able to do what we did because of the sacrifices that they made, and we had it much better than they did. Uh, they made, When they left the sport, they left it a better place for the next generation, and that's what I think you can think about that generation. That's what this generation needs to think about. What can they do for this sport so when they leave, it's better than it was when they got here because that's certainly what Bud Moore and, and the guys of his generation did for us. Yeah, it, it is. You know, I, I remember going to, to Riverside, California for the first time in 68, 69 with my dad. Um, and we all stayed at a place called the American Motor Lodge, one of the <laughs> fanciest places in Riverside, California. Uh, but you'd come in from the racetrack and everybody would stand in the parking lot and uh, they had have a cold one. I was nine. I didn't have a cold one then. It was a few <laughs> years later. But we'd stand around and they just talked. And they just talked racing. They loved the sport. And just being around Bud Moore, being around that group of guys um, and, and how they looked at the sport and how they talked about Parnelli Jones and Dan Gurney, the West Coast guys who drove at the time, um, you, just, you just soaked it all in. You, and, and to watch Bud go through the years with Buddy Baker as a driver and some of these other guys, um, it, it has always been amazing. But I'm, I, I will say this. I was very blessed on a number of occasions to go to Spartanburg, South Carolina and eat at the Peach Blossom. Okay, now the Peach Blossom is a special little place down there. Bud would go in, Cotton Owens would go in, and David Pearson would come. And they had lunch almost every day there. Uh, they would just meet there and talk about racing. What was right with racing, what was wrong with racing. This is after they got out of the sport. 
Um, they didn't like a lot of what was going on right now. And if you walked in, they would tell you because they had all the answers. But it was such an honor uh, to be with Lynn Wood or Eddie Wood, the Wood Brothers, as they would go down there and sit with them. Uh, and Bud's going to be missed. Bud's going to be missed in a lot of ways, not only by his family, but by this community. I know myself and so many other fans could listen to both of you guys talk about Bud Moore all day. He did go into the NASCAR Hall of Fame back yes. in 2011. So as we try and remember him here today, let's hear from him himself. Here he is on that day telling us how he'd like to be remembered. My daughter-in-law, Carol Reed, asked me how I wanted to be remembered. The answer is simple. One who made many contributions to building the sport, whose handshake was good as any contract, who always gave a straight answer and would never shut a coat either. Most of all, to be a member of the man who loves his family, his country, and the sport of racing. God bless all of you, and God bless America, and thank all of you. Thank you. NASCAR America is brought to you by the Salvation Army, doing the most good. This will be my last uh, season as a full-time driver. Today marks Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s final 400 miles. Dale Earnhardt Jr. asked if Matt Kenseth would join him at the back of the pack. This race is more than a season finale. It's a championship fight and a goodbye tour all rolled into one. Christopher Bell wins the championship in 2017. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. My sister told me I was supposed to get emotional. <laughs> the fans that are here and that are at home watching, they made all this possible. I don't know. I don't think I've breathed <laughs> the last... The greatest compliment a person can have is the respect of your peers. And that's what you see right here. Well, he cost us a championship. I mean, he's not even racing anybody. You're going to race people like that in this sport, you're not going to make it very far. Everything that ever happened to me in racing happened because of that fan base and that support. All because of Junior Nation. William Byron is the Xfinity Series champion. Yes! Thank you, guys. I can't believe it. Wow. You can hear the fans screaming through the window and um, just uh, all the respect that they've you know, shown me has been really, uh, really humbling. Silver lining, knowing you're coming back for the Daytona 500? Yeah. Sure. How about this, Mark Joyce Jr., 2017 champion, baby. You are the champion, baby. Woo! I've this since I was a little kid, and... Uh, Never give up, man. Never give up on your dreams, no matter what happens, what kind of crap you go through. It really was quite a year, but as we look ahead to 2018, there are big changes in the Cup Series field, and that's what we're breaking down today. The defending champ is where we're going to start. He will go it alone next season. Furniture Row Racing going back to a one-car team, and that is because Eric Jones will join Joe Gibbs Racing. He has the 20 car that belonged to Matt Kenseth this season. So the two rookies, Jeff, that we saw battling this past season, now teammates in Daniel Suarez and Eric Jones. What do you expect uh, from Joe Gibbs Racing this next season? Well, I think, I think it's extremely valuable that they had their rookie years, and now they're going into their second year. They're both very young, and if you think about the number of years that they raced at the top level, there's really not that many. So uh, they're coming in uh, still relatively green, but they've got that rookie year behind them. Uh, now they can just focus on moving forward, and I think that's always important. You have to be careful, though. That, that sophomore slump, that's a real thing. I don't know why, uh, but, but in so many sports, including racing, the second year always seems to be a tougher year. I personally think for Eric Jones, I, I think the key for him is that 
he needs to not take personal all the calls that Matt Kenseth should be in a race car. You, does that make sense? I, people, I don't think people are saying Eric Jones doesn't deserve to be in a car, but when you have so many people in the sport saying it's not fair that Matt Kenseth doesn't have a job, he can't take that as a personal thing and go try to prove the world wrong. He's got to be himself. And I think if he is himself and, and Daniel Suarez drives the way he drives, they're going to be just fine. It's going to take some time. This, you know, at the top level, it's very, very difficult. It's going to take some time, but they both have the talent to, to ultimately have the success that everybody thinks they can have. Jeff, that was something that I hadn't considered relating to Eric Jones before. Are those kind of reverberations, things that you're hearing in the NASCAR world that maybe Eric Jones is getting a sense that people are crying for Matt Kenseth to, to find a ride? No, no, I haven't. I haven't heard that. I just know that when you're in the sport and, and you know, you're, you're replacing someone that every that so many people are talking about how much respect there is for him and and that he deserves a ride that has to have an effect on you. You can't not hear it. So I, I think that, you know, he can't take that as he doesn't deserve it. And I, I think yeah. that's what's important. No one is saying, hey, you don't deserve this ride. People think that Matt Kenseth deserves a ride. You can both deserve it. You happen to be taking his, but you can't take that as hey, Matt Kenseth is better than you, and go try to do more than you can do. Yeah, exactly. And listen, I get told at least uh, 600 times a weekend, get off my TV, okay? <laughs> you can't take it personal, man. You can't take it personal. You just got to go do your job. <laughs> what, what, and, and what Jeff's saying is, just go do your job. Don't pay any attention to anybody. I, I think Joe Gibbs has, has, and JGR Racing have set themselves up in a perfect place. Two great drivers in Denny Hamlin and Kyle Busch. Two guys that are championship contenders that contend week in, week out, every race, every every year. They're going to be your perennial championship guys. They're going to make it to the finals uh, in the playoffs, I think, when, you, when we look at that. Then right behind them, they've got these two guys that slide into the slot. Daniel Suarez, who already has an Xfinity championship, and Eric Jones. And, and just as Jeff said, I look at Eric and I think, okay, Maybe that sophomore slump, it's a real thing. I agree. The, the advantage that Eric has is Eric's sophomore slump may not come until next year because this is the first year with another new team. He had a new team last year. He's with a new team this year, or a new group of guys in a new car. So uh, Eric has a tremendous amount of talent, wise beyond his years uh, when you watch him drive a race car. Daniel Suarez did the same thing this year that he's done in the past in the Xfinity car. Every race, he gets better and better and better. Never took a step back. Never, there were missteps during the course of the year for Daniel, but never a step back in his climb up that ladder. So I think we'll see him come into next year if we don't have a sophomore slump, and we'll see him be stronger next year. But they've got two really solid drivers and a great organization with them, and they're, they are capable of winning races from the time we drop the green flag in Daytona till the time they throw the checkered flag in Homestead. All right, let's turn from Toyota to Ford now. Let's start with the Penske and Wood Brothers Alliance. There's a lot there. Ryan Blaney going to drive the 12 car next year. He's joining Brad Keselowski and Joey Logano at Team Penske. You have Paul Menard, who's going to be taking over the 21 car at Wood Brothers Racing. You know, Brad Keselowski spent a lot of time publicly addressing what he believed to be a manufacturing advantage given to the Toyotas this past season. So just a reminder, here's what he said about that after Miami. When that car rolled out, you know, at Daytona, and I think we all got to see it for the first time, you know, I think there was two reactions. One, we couldn't believe NASCAR approved it. And two, we were impressed by the uh, uh, design team over there. And, and so, um, you know, with that said, I don't think anyone was really ever had a shot this year the second that thing got put on the racetrack and approved. So kind of felt a little bit like Formula One where you have one car that kind of makes it through the gate, heads and tails above everyone. And 
your hands are tied because you're not allowed to do anything to the cars uh, in those categories uh, that NASCAR approves to, to really catch up. So as to what will happen for 2018, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Um, you know, I would assume that Chevrolet will be allowed to design a car the same way that Toyota was for this one. Uh, and, but Ford doesn't have any current plans for that. Uh, if that's the case, we're going to take a drubbing next year. Uh, so we'll, we'll have to see. So, Kyle, Brad Keselowski really used every opportunity yeah. throughout the playoffs to voice his displeasure over where he feels they are versus where the yeah. Toyotas were, and ultimately the Toyota won a championship. You have been in this sport for so long and are yeah. a student of this sport. For me, I'm just wondering at the very basic level, do the fans care about the manufacturers the way that maybe they used to? Is this something that the fan base is paying attention to? Yeah, they pay attention. If, if you're a Brad Keselowski fan, if you're a Kevin Harvick fan, if you're a Joey Logano fan, yes, uh, a Ryan Blaney fan, you do pay attention to it. If Brad speaks up, and, and listen, I've been very critical of Brad for harping on this because it got to the harping stage where all he did was bring it up, bring it up, bring it up. This question was asked of him. He did not bring it up at Homestead. This was a question, and he answered the question just the best way he could. So I give him kudos for that, for answering it there. But at the same time, yes, manufacturers do. The fans do care. They care that Brad has a disadvantage. They care that Kevin does. They care that the Toyos. It's a little bit of revisionist history there from Brad where he said once they rolled it out at Daytona, we knew it was going to be tough. Toyotas didn't do much the first part of the year. And I didn't see Brad complaining about it. I didn't see any other, other Ford manufacturer or other manufacturers complaining about the Toyota in February, March, April. Those first two or three months, it was later in the year that it came up. Chevy does get a new car. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what NASCAR does or how they try to balance the field. We know yesterday or this past week they made some changes for pit crews for parity's sake. Uh, so if they want true parity, they are going to have to look at this at some point in time and try to figure out how to weigh it. But I, they weren't going to do it before Homestead. They weren't going to do it before the playoffs. No, no. They, you know, they put a process in place, and remember how it works, is that all the manufacturers go through the submission process together. So when Toyota submitted their car, the other manufacturers were present during that submittal process. Uh, they went to the wind tunnel. Uh, they, they were part of it. And the other manufacturers you know, did not kick and scream and say, you can't put that car on the racetrack. So uh, there is a process in place, and I think the fans care when it's an unfair advantage. When, and when I say unfair, what I mean is, you were allowed to do something that nobody else was, and, and that, that's an unfair advantage. Now, the timing of the submittal of the car, that matters because Toyota did know what the rules were. They did understand it was going to have a short spoiler, so they probably were smart enough to shift their balance where the other manufacturers didn't have, did not have that ability. And that's something that NASCAR will have to think about long term. Is, is the parity of the manufacturers, is that such that you're going to have to do a submittal every year so that Ford can go back and say, okay, we, we know that the short spoilers are going to be had. We know we're going to have less rear downforce, so we want to resubmit the same car to be able to shift that downforce. I don't think the Toyota makes more downforce than a Ford. I think it makes more rear downforce and less front, and that was advantageous this year with the rules. So uh, that, that's, a, that's a tough situation uh, for NASCAR to get a hold of. You know, you know Kyle and I, we've experienced it where – you know, NASCAR would come in after three or four races and just cut the spoiler off of a car. You know, when the yeah. Ford Taurus was submitted, they, they, you know, I think the third race, after the third race, they came and cut the spoiler off of it, uh, because, it because it was so much better. And that's something that they said they weren't going to do anymore 
so the submittal process is, is going to have to be looked at. I don't know if it's right or wrong. I, I, I don't really have a strong opinion about that. But I do believe that the process in place, I don't believe Toyota got anything by anybody. I think they did a really good job of building a race car that was better than the other manufacturers. But I think that goes credit to them. I don't think it's fair to blame NASCAR for that. All right, it's definitely an issue with many layers yeah. and one that we're going to continue to hear about, especially heading into next season. But we've got plenty more on 2018 in today's show. Dale Earnhardt Jr., though, his next chapter's begun, but we're going to show you the connection that he's made with his fans and how it's just not going anywhere, even in 2018. We're going to continue to focus on the changes in the cup field. We're going to look at Hendrick Motorsports, where seven-time champ Jimmy Johnson is now surrounded by three of NASCAR's future stars. And after winning the Xfinity Series title, can one of those future stars continue to impress in the Cup Series? More on the Wids Kid when we come back. Welcome back. Tomorrow night, the puck drops for an Eastern Conference clash. Tampa Bay taking on Boston. Lightning Bruins, that is Wednesday night rivalry, 730 Eastern right here on NBCSN. Five years ago, William Byron raced for the very first time. And since then, the 19-year-old from Charlotte, North Carolina, has climbed to the sport's top levels in absolutely stunning fashion. This season, he earned his greatest accomplishment so far. It's going to be a wild run for a championship between the championship four who will claim their first title. The system the way it is, four drivers racing for a championship in one race. How much closer can you get to winning the championship than showing up the last race? And even if every car has a different owner, it's still heartbreaking for the three who don't come away with the championship. All right, big man, firing a hole. Hey guys, it's been an awesome season. Do what we do all year, we'll get a win, get out of here. Elliot just kind of joked with me in driver intros, you know, hey, all that help we've had back and forth, just remember that when we're racing. All right, guys, and this is what we live for. Let's go ahead and win a championship, man. The championship race is underway. Green, green, green. Green, green, green. Green flag, please start. Getting into the race, it wasn't as good as we were hoping for. You know, just save tires when we can, because we're going to go a long way here. 21 of Hemrick, they feel like the strength in this car is really on the long run. You know, I never take anything for granted. I knew that Daniel's car was fast enough. I knew that he was talented enough. And at the start of that race, it definitely looked like we had our hands full. Some of these cars are falling back because of fresher tires on the racetrack, including William Byron in 14th right now. You know, we realized we had a really good short run car, you know, so we were hoping for more yellows. We weren't hoping for it to go green, you know, like it did. The 21 of Daniel Hemrick, he is having battery issues. It starts getting really bad, bring it to me. We got a plan to change it. The odds have moved very, very well in Junior Motorsports Department. Before the race started, I asked, you know, if you could hit a car or not, and he said as long as 21 was out, you could do whatever you want. We never established any ground rules on how we're going to race each other, and I think you could see that toward the end of the race. The championship for Byron Sadler and Allgaier running third, fourth, and fifth on the racetrack. It was really difficult to watch that series elapse with the drivers so close together. They were polite earlier, but as laps wind down, they are not teammates. They're two race car drivers racing for a championship who happen to be owned by the same group. The last thing you want is for one of them to take the other out. That's all you fear as an owner. Both going down the racetrack. The one slides up. They make contact. William and Elliot got in each other a little bit and got in the fence a little bit. I mean, it was every man for himself out there. When will frustration take over? Now, Sadler surging ahead. 
the moment that he got by us, I had been driving my car as hard as I could. I was on the radio, so I could hear the desperation in William's voice talking about his car being so loose. I was just like, man, I, I think he's done. I think that's it. And a few laps later, he's, he's inching back in to contention. The next instinct thing for me to do was to run the, against the wall. William firing up along the fence. Kind of woke our car up, and we were able to, to go from there. He's moved up the racetrack and found a little something. There you go, man. He can't run up there. We had a couple mistakes here and there, hitting the wall, but that's the edge that you live on. We have not spoken any about the Car Owner Championship, but that's going to have a factor in here, and that's because that 18 car is racing for a Car Owner Championship. He can't just pull over and let Elliot Sadler go. The 18, he was definitely a tough car to pass just because he was running the same line. I don't know what this kid's gonna do. Sadler dives to the bottom of the racetrack. If he had a clear freeze right here, this is gonna slow him down. I kind of knew the situation there, that I had to really drive in deep and clear him. He'll dive to the bottom of the racetrack. What opened up the passing opportunity for me was him getting side by side and, and me having a huge run. The one into the wall! I'm going to try to tell you what makes William so good is his his coolness under pressure. Eight to go, my man. Look forward. To be as young as he is and have no more experience than he has and to be in a high-pressure situation like he was in tonight, it just seems like most guys wouldn't have been able to pull that out. Four to go, man. No pressure. Two to go this time. One to go. The 19-year-old rookie phenom coming out of four. William Byron is the Xfinity Series champion. Thank you, guys. Awesome job. I can't believe it. Wow. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Jeremy. Dale Earnhardt Jr., all smiles and heartbreak for Elliot Sadler. I know Elliot's upset with Priest, and it's a tough deal for Elliot to have to deal with. And you're seeing some uh, disagreement between Elliot Sadler and Ryan Priest. And as we get through the offseason, you know, his mind's going to eventually uh, come around to the idea that he's going to have to focus on this next season and another opportunity to try to get back to Homestead with a chance at the title. William Byron, all smiles, team motor. Dale Earnhardt Jr. down there to congratulate him. His next step, he'll be running full-time next year in the Monster Energy Cup Series. It's incredible to, to race for him and, and Mr. Hendrick and everyone that's given me this chance. It's really cool to bring them a championship and just to see where the future lies. And I'm so speechless. been an incredible career for William Byron already, and Dale Earnhardt Jr. says he thrives under pressure, and that's a good thing, Kyle, because he's about to test his medal at the very top level in the Cup Series next season. Let's take a look at Hendrick Motorsports here and how things stack up for 2018. So you've got William Byron in the 20... Uh, well, this is how it was this past season, right? With yes. the 5, the 24, the 48, the 88. And then if you look at this year, 2018... You're going to have William Byron in the 24. You've, of course, got Jimmy Johnson in the 48. Alex Bowman taking over for Dale Earnhardt Jr. And then Chase Elliott in the 9 car. But this could be confusing. I want you to simplify this for the fans in terms yeah. of who's going where as it relates to the numbers. The 9 is, is a with, with Chase Elliott. Let's just look at it as a jersey change. Okay? They, they're just changing the jersey on this car. It's the same team. It's, it's Alan Gustafson. It, it's, it's Chase Elliott. It's those guys building on what they did this year. Uh, William Byron 
will jump in the five car. And, and I don't believe, I think they're making some team changes over there. That was formerly the five car. The 88 car was Junior's car. Uh, I'm not really sure what their changes are. This more looks to me when I look at this, they're changing Hendrick Motorsports to Jimmy Johnson Daycare. Uh, because I'm telling you something, they are young, talented, incredible group of drivers right there. We know what Chase can do. Um, and and I, I love to hear Junior when he says, hey, he, he doesn't feel the pressure. Nobody's going to feel the pressure at 19 years old. That's why 19-year-olds can stand over a six-foot putt for $10 million, and they never flinch, but a 55-year-old can't because he's shaking in his boots. It's that age thing, and that's what Rick has has tried to get with this group, I think. He's building for the future. We talked a minute ago about JGR, about having two established drivers and two young drivers. Here's a team with one established driver, one established driver, three young drivers. What will this team look like in 10 or 15 years? It's going to be interesting to see how this team grows and how this team flourishes. Yeah, Jeff, it just so happens, though, that the driver, the established driver who's uh, driving through the carpool lane is the seven-time champ. How do you think Jimmy Johnson – oh, this is great. He sent out this tweet a little while ago, just taking the kids to lunch. Yes. And they said, thanks, Gramps, which that, like you said, not feeling any pressure, feeling like you're invincible. Tell the seven-time champ uh, he's a grandpa. But, no, in all seriousness, Jeff, I mean, having Jimmy Johnson – as the veteran here, ultimately, I would think would just pay dividends for a young group that's also an extremely talented group. Yeah, I can't think of a person better than Jimmy Johnson that leads by example. You know, you watch how Jimmy Johnson prepares, the effort he puts into it, and, and that speaks for itself. So I, I think that's a perfect leader. Uh, what I'm fascinated about is can Hendrick Motorsports bring the speed? You know, Hendrick Motorsports, uh, I don't care who's driving their cars, they just weren't Hendrick Motorsports this year. And, and really, I would say two years in a row, I, I know, don't call me, don't text me, don't tweet me, say they won a championship. You know, I got it. But they did not have the best cars uh, in 2016 and not certainly in 2017. Uh, they're going to have to step up. They're going to have to find a, a way to bring better race cars to the racetrack I think Chase Elliott is on the verge of doing some incredible things. I, I, we, he was so close this year, you know, woulda, coulda, shoulda. But, I mean, they could have won seven, eight, nine races this year. And I think that, that you know, that fail, those disappointments, the failures, that's going to make this team better. It's going to make this driver stronger. You get him in victory lane a couple of times, and you better watch out. I just, I just think that he is on the cusp of – having an unbelievable career, and we just saw the beginning of it this year. Yeah, I, and, and I, I, I do agree. I, I do agree, but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the, half, the glass half empty. If William Byron comes in and starts winning races and takes the wind out of Chase Elliott's sails, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this team and where this team goes. The only reason I say that is because we thought the same thing about Casey Kane when he went over there. So much talent, so much potential. When's he going to break through? Never broke through. We saw Chase Elliott be right on the cusp this year so many times. But I do believe Chase Elliott is a, is a different type of driver. Totally different. I'm just throw that out there as food for thought. <laughs> Wait a second. Of, no, 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 I throw it out there because second. I'm going to tell you. You're, you're not going to have. You threw it out there, but then you took it right No, no, no. Because, because of the. Uh, let's go. Je Jeff Gordon wins all these championships. Jimmy comes along. That's the last we hear from Jeff Gordon when it comes to winning championships. That's my point. We've heard Chase Elliott, Chase Elliott, Chase Elliott for the last year or so. What's going to happen when William Byron comes in? Well, Jeff, there have certainly been those who have said that William Byron could be the young driver out of this group that may get that first Cup Series win first. Well, I, I wouldn't – don't count on Alex Bowman. Remember, when he drove that car last year at Phoenix, he put that thing yes. in position to win. And, and I wouldn't count him out. 
I, that what, the point that Kyle brought up is a great point. That's what's difficult about racing with in, in today's world is teammates. You you want to have really good teammates. It's just you want to be the best. And and you're right. That pressure uh, to perform gets ratcheted up when you have teammates that can win. Now. There's three teammates that have never won a cup race, right? So we don't know if they can or not. We think they can. There's a lot of promise, but eventually they're going to have to deliver on that promise. And you got seven times sitting there. We know what he can do. So it is <laughs> going to be fascinating to watch and see who grabs it, you know, who takes it from Jimmy Johnson, right? That's what the goal of those young guys is to take it from Jimmy Johnson yes. and make no bones about it. Jimmy Johnson knows it, and everybody else does too. As a young driver, you want to be the man. And Jimmy Johnson's the man right now, and if you want to be it, you got to take it from him. And maybe my favorite early storyline of 2018 is just what's going to happen with this group with yes. all the young talent and the seven-time champ. Let's see what Pete Pistone thinks, though. Uh, when we come back, he's going to join us from Sirius XM Radio, of course, to tell us which driver offseason change he is most intrigued by. We'll be back with Pete when we come back. Welcome back to NASCAR America, everybody. So Pete Pistoni has been joining us here on NASCAR America all throughout the season from Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. He joins us once again on the phone. Pete, thanks for being with us. What we've been talking about all show long has been what the 2018 field is going to look like in the Cup Series. What is one change that intrigues you the most as we have kind of gone through the field and highlighted some of the differences that we're going to see next season? Yeah, you know, Carolyn and Jeff, there's a lot of them, obviously. You guys are here, but there's one that's really intriguing to me. And that is Eric Almarola going to Stuart Haas Racing and taking the 10 car that Danica Patrick had driven for so many years. You know, in my opinion, I think Danica, in a lot of ways, got a lot of criticism that maybe wasn't really completely warranted. Uh, and now you've got somebody going into that race car. They've got Smithfield, which, as we all know, is a really good sponsor, some resources and funding there. But let's see what Eric does in that race car. We've got a team there with uh, Kevin Harvick that made the championship four. We got a team there with Kurt Busch that won the Daytona 500. We got a team there with Clint Boyer when he took over for Tony Stewart, who did a lot better this year, obviously, than he had done in the last couple of years. I'm really interested to see what Eric can do now that he's going to take that 10 right after Danica stepping out of that car. Yeah, Pete, I think that's a, that's a great point. It's going to be, you know, Eric Amarola is driving really good equipment, and I have a feeling he's highly motivated, and and uh, we're going to see the best effort that Eric can put. I can promise you that, and. You know, you mentioned you mentioned Kurt Busch in the 41. Well, you know, it's almost December, and we still don't know what's going on with with the driver of the 41 car. That's fascinating to me because here you have a guy that's a former champion that just won the Daytona 500, driving equipment that you know Kevin Harvick's been able to take that equipment and and, and get it in championship contention for several years in a row, and this deal's not done. And I keep. The longer it ha doesn't happen, the more I think it's not going to happen. If, if everybody wanted it to happen, it would have been done. And, and something's holding this up. And, you know, we hear, we hear all kinds of things. We don't know the truth. But clearly there's something holding this up. And, and I just get concerned. The longer this thing happens, I, I, I start to wonder, you know, a wise man once told me, the longer something doesn't happen, the better chance it's not going to happen. And that's starting to, to be the case here. Well, I think you're right, Jeff, and I think, you know, stop me if everybody's heard this before, but a lot of the reason we haven't heard anything about that 41 team comes down to sponsorship. We know that Monster Energy's been on that race car. We know that Monster Energy is the title sponsor. 
You know, they've asked NASCAR for a little bit of an extension to decide whether or not they're going to re-up with the title sponsorship beyond 2018. And I think once those things are all finalized, then we'll know what goes on with the 41. But I agree with you. Here we are, banquet week in Vegas, and we don't know what the winner of the Daytona 500 future is at Stewart House Racing. And Jeff, it's how, really, unusual, it's, how unusual is this, the, the timing of all of this? Well, I don't want to say it's unprecedented, but it's very unusual. I, 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 I think it's a sign of the times. I think it shows you the volatility in the sport right now, uh, that you have a team like this that was, you know, a, con- a contending team that won the 500, that was a good race team, not a great race team, but a good race team with very capable race car driver, and this deal still not done. And, and it's, it's a very odd situation. Let's just say it's odd at best. All right, Pete, thanks so much for being with us. We're going to have to cut it there, but enjoy the holidays, and we'll talk to you soon. Guys, it's been a blast being on the show. Happy holidays, everybody. We'll see you in Daytona coming up in a few months. Absolutely, Pete. Thank you. Coming up next, a closer look at Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s legacy. Justin Hartley from This Is Us managing to sum up Jr.'s contribution to the sport just perfectly. We'll bring that back to you next. NASCAR America is brought to you by the Salvation Army, doing the most good. Welcome back, everybody. So the NASCAR season ended two weeks ago, business as usual for the most part, except for one important detail. The sport's most popular driver for more than a decade took his final full-time ride, and he took the fans right along with him, as Justin Hartley from This Is Us tells us. Junior Nation is a love affair between Dale Earnhardt Jr. and his legion of loyal fans. I'm one of them, and this is us, our appreciation story. Oh, how time flies, passing by like a bird in the night. Racers measure everything. Lap times in hundredths of a second. The power of an engine in foot-pounds of torque. The geometry of a car's suspension in thousandths of an inch. They even weigh how one driver stacks up against another in the record books. But what is the measure of success? When it's all said and done, what is left behind that is lasting? Junior represents everything that this sport is built on. What's the question, dude? <laughs> uh, well, um, how was the race? Well, it was hot, but it was fast. Are you going to give me some money when you get home? I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> you spent enough down here this week. Intimidator stuck out. His son came in, and I was like, dang, why not? <laughs> Woo! Yeah! It was really hard for me, Earnhardt passing. I needed somebody to latch onto, and it happened to be his son, you know. Dale has a deep connection to the history of the sport because he basically grew up around all the legends. No one can ever question his desire to be a winner and to prove himself worthy of his name. We didn't come here to run third, we come here to take all the money. He did get his start because of his name, but he stayed in the game because he actually has the heart and the will to do the job. He stepped out from his dad's shadow. If I was his dad, I'd be very, very proud of him. Dale carried a lot of weight on his shoulders after his father was killed. We all wondered if he would come back or even if he would want to race again. 
can't imagine what he was going through. Uh, I believe he was a very, very brave man. Dale was very brave to speak out about his concussions and knowing when he needed to step aside and put his family first and himself first. He really set a great example for other athletes and even for kids in other sports. He's always been an intensely loyal man, loyal to his family and his friends, his team, and his sponsors. Do I know you? Dewey Ryder. I'm the new you. I'm the new model. I'm the upgrade. His humility is apparent in everything that he does, despite being the sport's most popular superstar. You're not likely to hear Dale Jr. talk bad about anyone. He's respectful of the sport and his competitors. This is our dog, Junebug. She was named after Dale Jr. by my mom. We've had her for 10 years. He's a country boy, and we're all country boys, you know, so uh, I, I feel like I identify that way with him. He's an honest guy, and he speaks from his heart. Most honest guy out there. It just makes you wonder what in the hell is going on in this world, you know? We ought to be better than that. You know, we ought to be smarter than that. Than to be trying to tear each other apart. Um, we ought to be working together. But it, it just seems like that that's getting harder and harder to do, and there's less and less of that. He's not afraid to speak his mind. A lot of people love him, and I'm one of them. He actually has stayed true to himself. I, I really do believe that. I don't think anyone's more generous with his time and his money. Donates, uh, got nice charities. He's a great man. Oh, he's got a huge heart, a heart of gold. Jeez. To have a visit from Dell Jr. would absolutely change a child's life. It's going to be a weird day to see Jr. not in the race because it, it means a lot to me. And I think it means a lot to a lot of people. And seriously, seriously tears right now. Yes, racers measure everything. But some things are difficult to measure, like dignity and respect. It's been said that talent is a gift, but character is a choice. Dale Earnhardt Jr. may not have rewritten NASCAR's record books in the same way his dad did but he certainly framed one of the greatest love stories in the history of the sport. And that legacy will never be forgotten. It is a unique bond, and while we'll miss seeing him on the track every weekend, we are certainly here looking forward to having Junior join the NBC team next season. Meantime, he is keeping busy. Earlier today, Junior announced the creation of the Dale and Amy Earnhardt Fund for the Nationwide Children's Hospital in Columbus, Ohio, and the fund is going to aid pediatric injury rehabilitation and research and prevention at America's largest pediatric hospital and research center. So well done. It's nice to know that some good is being done during Champions Week in Las Vegas. Tonight, NASCAR honors the career of Dale Jr. Thursday, it is awards time. Our coverage gets started at 7 p.m. Eastern with our red carpet special. We will look at some of the top moments from last year's party when we come back.
Are you ready for this? I'm ready. It looks like you're ready. I, I ready am. The entire thing is just so beautiful, and everyone's going to have so much fun. I at least took a shower, so I mean, that's a good good start, I felt like. You know what is amazing? Not only that you're here, you're Thai, but next year I think you have to let me pick out your suit. We all can see it from here. Awesome blue plaid suit this year. You do not disappoint. We had Kenseth trying to show us and McMurray trying to show us, and I think they'd had too much to drink. We have had uh, we've had a lot of fun, probably too much fun last night. Ah. Paid for it a little bit uh, early this morning. I lost control, and I just it was everything I had, and my voice, I'm actually still recovering from it. Everyone here is jealous of you tonight. Trust yeah. me. <laughs> I, I think what I just heard is we found Parker's man crush. <laughs> you look really nice. You look handsome and dapper as always. I was talking to Ashley. Because you cannot control his mouth. Whatever comes out just comes out. He's got absolutely no filter. This guy, just an heartthrob, more this like guy. it. Ooh. Ooh, get out. Eddie Vedder's here. This is insane. This is awesome. Carl, I hate to ruin the deal, but I'm actually going to have to go to a gym this winter because, you know, still drive race cars next year. And unfortunately, the ones I'm going to drive, the steering wheel's a lot closer and I have to get this away from it. I'm going to try to go to a gym, at least pull in the parking lot once in a while. It is such a great time and the champ, Kyle and Jeff, has arrived. Martin Truex Jr. in Vegas with that beautiful, beautiful trophy. Um, what are we going to do attire-wise, Kyle, for the show on Thursday? Are you going to? Oh. Do, are you doing a wood bow tie? Are you? No, gonna, this is all I got. I mean, I'm, I'm like. Do you think we could ship like a plaid yeah. suit, or maybe you could from borrow Rutledge? something from Rutledge? I should brought my Coca-Cola suit, the, the one I wore throwback. That yeah, that good. sounds that terrifying. Yes. What, did, what do you think, Jeff? Should we? Um, should we? Oh, yeah. That's. Oh yeah. That's right. Remember, Jeff? Do you remember when Parker wore a full tuxedo last year? I, I, I blocked certain things out of my memory, and I think the picture on the screen right now, the two of them, I blocked that completely out. And I, I like I like Rutledge with the, hey, man, I, I need to pick your stuff out for you. And Suarez is like, what in the – come on. I was no one's going to let Rutledge pick nobody, his clothes nobody, out. Nobody, nobody. I was wondering if Rutledge was going to find him uh, this time around and say, hey, man, come to my closet. See what I got. I, I'm, I'm going to be anxious to see what Rutledge wears this time because he's got a little bit bigger role this time. And it's it is be the biggest question going of the offseason. Who he's wearing? What? Who's he wearing? Who Who's he wearing? Is Who is Rutledge wearing? Wearing on Thursday. <laughs> Starts at 7. We're going to be there. Man, we hope you guys will be with us. Jeff? Kyle, great job today. Thank you. That's it for NASCAR America. We're back again tomorrow at 6 Eastern with our Martin Truex Jr. Championship sit-down interview and also our best of scan all. We'll see you tomorrow. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability.